0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Friday, September 8th. I'm Julia Caulfield
1: and I'm Gavin McGoff.
0: In today's headlines, snowmaking failure causes mudslide,
1: county considers hospital bailout,
0: eyes to ears with Bella Eatman
1: and a mountain weather forecast. But first, the town of Mountain Village will begin clearing dead trees next week from the Mountain Village shop area near the Meadows neighborhood. Residents and trail users may hear noise and see work taking place in the area. The project is intended to reduce tree hazards and fire risk. Work is scheduled to begin on Monday, September 11th and continue through the week.
0: A mudslide near Lift 7 shook residents awake on Thursday night.
2: Around 1030, um, our Marshalls Department got a report of a pretty significant rock fall incident at the base of Lift 7 from some of the residents around there. Um, Telluride Fire Protection District, Telluride Marshalls Department, and the Town of Telluride Public Works Department all responded to the scene and found a pretty significant mudslide um, stemming from a water line up above dumper above the Lift 7 area on the ski resort.
0: That's Lindsay Mills, communication manager for the town of Telluride. The Lift 7 base area is fairly full of mud and water at the moment, which is being cleaned up by Telski. Um, There are
2: Uh, pretty significant rocks and boulders around the base area as well that came into contact with some exterior walls, some barriers, some stairways um, around Eta Place and around Shandoka as well.
0: In a statement, the Telluride Ski Resort says the rock and mudslide was the result of a failure in its snowmaking system. Telski says the system failure has been addressed. No one was injured in the slide and no residents were forced to evacuate.
2: We are in the process of rehoming one resident of Shandoka to the Shandoka F building um, as there has been pretty significant drywall damage that will have to be repaired uh, as quickly as possible. But that Other than that, um, and people being shaken awake at a late hour of the evening, no injuries and no evacuations were necessary at that time.
0: With the slide taking place on Telski property, the ski resort is responsible for handling cleanup. Telski is working with HOAs in the area when it comes to the damaged buildings. In a statement, the resort says it is working to remediate the damage and mitigate future risk. All frontside access to the mountain, including T Trail, is currently closed for safety reasons. Impacted residents can contact their HOAs or infotelski.com with further questions.
1: The revelation at a meeting of regional governments on August 14th that the Telluride Medical Center was approaching financial default and without critical intervention, would be forced to cease operations on October 27th, has reverberated in the community. Following that meeting, the Telluride Hospital District Board and the interim CEO of the Med Center, Dr. Deanna Colicker, have been making rounds to local governments asking for a bailout to keep their doors open into November. The hospital district is also asking voters to approve a property tax increase this fall to support them longer term. District board member Paul Reich says the hospital district is grappling with immediate needs.
3: Quite honestly, the board's attention is focused on getting meeting payroll and yeah. getting and getting the ballot measure passed and meeting payroll. That's kind of where our we have a pretty limited windshield or view out the windshield right now.
1: Reich spoke before the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners this week to ask for $500,000 in immediate funding to sustain the Med Center until longer term solutions can be found. The hospital district has made a similar ask of the town of Telluride. Mountain Village has pledged $650,000 for its part, with the intention of also covering a contribution from the Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association. But the hospital district may continue discussions with TMVOA to gauge a potential for further funds. Commissioner Ann Brown says the medical center provides a critical service, but she continues.
4: I mean, I do have concerns about our making a grant of this size. I mean, where are we even going to get this money? My understanding is it has to come from our reserve, which we have worked really hard the last just few years to get into a reasonable position. So that's a little, you know, that's a big deal for us. We don't have this money sitting to the side and i'm also concerned about setting precedent for other you know taxing districts who get into trouble thinking that we can bail them out funding
1: could come from the county's reserve fund it could also come in part from leftover federal pandemic funding the county has a deadline to use those pandemic funds explained manager mike bordonia And he says,
2: And we have uh, just over $400,000 remaining. And that is funding uh, which we have access to until January 31st
3: of 2024.
1: That money has been eyed for potential road and bridge repairs in the county. Commissioner Lance Waring offers a proposal.
3: If we could structure a loan that is agreeable to both parties, then that would give some of the um, concerns that Commissioner Brown brought up for our own reserves some help. And also avoid setting a precedent of completely gifting if there were to be another entity that came to us.
1: According to Colorado's taxpayer bill of rights, a county cannot actually offer a loan. County attorney Amy Markwell says while a loan is a no-go, a similar arrangement might be possible under state law.
4: And so there are ways in which we could um, potentially craft something, um, but I, I just would hesitate on using the word loan.
1: Whatever word the county comes up with and whatever the exact arrangement, commissioners do agree to help the medical center out. Discussions between county staff and the hospital district will set the exact parameters.
0: This week on Eyes to Ears, Telegrad High School's Bella Eatman takes a turn towards the natural. We are rebroadcasting a segment originally aired in December 2022. Have a listen.
4: Good evening, listeners. Welcome to Eyes and Ears, a Koto segment where I, Bella Eatman, describe paintings I find in the local area. And if we're lucky, I could interview a few of our local artists. Today we will talk about an art piece known as an open-air living room by Molly Peral. About a month ago, I walked around town and entered one of the many galleries on Main Street when I spotted this one particular piece that intrigued me. This picture was on a circular canvas. It was a classic landscape picture of an open meadow. meadow. Really brings out the open-air aspects, don't it? The landscape has it all, emerald green uh, blades sliced through by a cold clean river waters from left to right, pine trees alongside each other joined as the greatest of friends yet still serving as an outer wall for that very meadow, and don't even forget about the far off mountains ranging in gorgeous colors of grey, purple, and perhaps even blue. But even further beyond all that is the rolling white to cobalt blue clouds floating as clouds do on classic blue skies. And you know what's the real kicker about it? It's made of small, colored magazine clips, not paint. The way it was formed made a fractal-like look. It would really make make you think of how one can make great creations from average shapes. Thinking back on it now, I kind of want to take a walk in that meadow. Perhaps to clear my head. Feel the soft or sharp blades of grass. Listen to the river, even. As much as I'd love to discuss and the open-air living room some more, I do believe that speaking of it would lead to a terrible case of ranting. But before I go, I do want to express how the picture made me feel. As feeling is the purpose of art. I think of the peace and think of tranquility. A peaceful state of mind that a lot of us would like to achieve. I think of what I'd feel if I was actually in that meadow. What I'd smell, see, hear, and touch. This is eyes to ears on Kodo. I am Bella Edman and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Sometimes, the best paved plans go awry. While the Colorado Department of Transportation had hoped to complete paving operations on Highway 145 outside of Lawson Hill this week, the construction will continue into next week, weather permitting. Since Tuesday, paving operations between Mountain Village and the Society Turn Roundabout have caused traffic delays up to half an hour. Next week, the work and potential delays will continue from Monday the 11th to Thursday the 14th between 6.30 a.m. and 5.00 p.m. However, road crews hope to complete the work by Tuesday or Wednesday. Also on Highway 145, CDOT is performing shoulder work on Norwood Hill. Crews will be working next Monday through Thursday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Drivers should expect 20-minute delays. Motorists are asked to plan accordingly and travel with care in those areas.
0: We live in one of the most beautiful places on the planet, and Mountain Village wants to keep it that way. This weekend, Mountain Village is hosting a community cleanup day to help protect the environment. The day will feature the cleanup itself from 10 a.m. to noon, followed by an after party with ice cream, yard games, and more. There will also be local nonprofits sharing information about regional sustainability efforts and opportunities to get involved. Volunteers can register for the cleanup from 9 to 10 a.m. at Heritage Plaza. They will receive trash, recycling, and composting bags and designated areas to clean. There will be coffee and donuts. Volunteers are encouraged to bring their own gloves, wear long pants, and comfortable shoes. The Mountain Village Community Cleanup Day will take place on Sunday, September 10th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m.
1: A new political party has formed in Colorado. The Secretary of State's office announced this week that the Center Party collected enough signatures to be recognized as an official minor party. The party's website says it's an alternative to Democrat Republican polarization and represents the middle of the political spectrum. It says it's for Coloradans who don't want to choose between the extreme stances of the right and the left. There are six other minor parties in Colorado, including the No Labels Party, which launched earlier this year.
0: The 2024 elections may be more than a year away, but Colorado Republicans are already eyeing the Weld County-based 8th Congressional District. KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports, GOP State Representative Gabe Evans entered the race this week.
1: Representative Evans is challenging Congresswoman Yadira Caraveo, who was elected last year to lead the newly created 8th District. Caraveo narrowly won the seat by just over 1,600 votes against GOP State Senator Barbara Kirkmeyer. Now, Republicans on both the state and national level are trying to flip the seat. Evans is currently serving in his first term as a state lawmaker, representing House District 48, which includes Adams and Weld Counties. He's also an Army veteran and former Arvada police officer. In his campaign announcement, Evans focused largely on his conservative record, support for law enforcement, and tough-on-crime policies. He's also the grandson of Mexican immigrants. Almost 40 percent of voters in the 8th district are Latino, more than any other district in the state. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. Last Sunday, tribal members and motorcyclists honored missing and murdered Indigenous relatives as part of the Four Corners Motorcycle Rally in Durango. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD has more.
3: Motorcycle rallies are a bacchanal of races, rock bands, and lots of gawking at chrome and souped-up vehicles. This past Sunday morning, the partying took a pause when 100 riders gathered in a semicircle around Southern Newt tribal member Hanley Frost. We have the highest rate fatality, Native women. Nothing is done. They pushed it aside. Before offering a prayer alongside a drum group, Frost speaks to the riders. We have families. I have a brother. They might have a sister, a brother, uncle, dad. Someone in your family that was harder for them to ever solve. I have a brother that was like that. That was just pushed aside. Uh, they labeled him as a drunk. It was a drunk. Many of the people gathered here know someone who was missing, including Daisy Blue Star, Vernon Holly, and Manuel Leto.
4: What got me started was my Aunt Bernie uh, Frosty Gap for 20 years. She didn't receive her full justice.
3: I have a a niece that
1: went missing three years back, I think it was, and uh, they never found her.
4: I'm here on this uh, ride to represent for uh, my uncle Todd Blancher who went missing back in August 30th, 2006,
3: I believe. Many of the riders are wearing red, the color of the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives movement. They ride two and three abreast on the highway, revving their engines and stopping traffic en route to Ignacio. Along the highway, there are more red dresses and red shirts hanging on posts, a symbol of the missing and the murdered. I felt a spirit that followed us all, carried us to this place. For Vernon Holly, a Dene man, a motorcycle ride to Ignacio offers time to reflect on missing relatives and the meaning of motorcycles for Native Americans. Our people have always rode horses, so the motorcycles like our horse too, so that's our iron horse.
0: I think that's the whole point of being on the bike, is that it's such a euphoric feeling that. It's, it's amazing. It, it's like medicine.
3: Kristen Velasquez-Howe is a volunteer with Native Love, the group that organized the event.
0: You do realize how many people are being affected by this and that, you know, the system is not helping us. That's the sad part. Is That's why we have to come together as a community and fight together.
3: The rally continues on at the Southern Ute Cultural Center in Ignacio. Following speeches, more drum groups, and a documentary film, riders mount their bikes and ride together back toward Durango. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a mostly clear night tonight with a low around 50 degrees. Saturday should bring sun with a high near 70 degrees, followed by a clear night with a low nearing 50. Sunday calls for partial sun with a slight chance of showers developing in the afternoon and a high in the mid-60s. A 50% chance of showers will linger over Sunday night with a forecast low around 45 degrees. This has been the news for Friday, September 8th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.